Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me is my assistant, my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how are you holding up during quarantine? Uh, I'm doing great. Obviously, I'm not actually with you, uh, according to the rules of social distancing. Uh, that would be insane. Uh, so we are, again, recording uh, live via, definitely not live when you're hearing this, but live when we're making it, uh, live via something called Squadcast. Uh, and we're hoping that this will improve the audio quality a little bit and make it easier for you to hear, make it uh, uh, an easy way for us to interview someone, which we're going to be doing today. Ken, who are we going to be talking to? Yeah, we are uh, very grateful to have one of the all-time greats of middle school quiz bowl, uh, Robert Muniz from Midtown Classical, will be joining us in a little bit. And we'll be talking about all things Terminators. So uh, a Terminator, uh, on top of being an unstoppable robot, sent back from the future referring to the james cameron film series is a, a phrase that quiz bowl players used to refer to an individual player who is so good and so unstoppable uh that it's like they're a terminator uh they you know can't be killed can't be stopped and oftentimes terminators will even just play by themselves so there'll be an entire team of kids on one side and then on the other side will be just one kid with a buzzer uh, and that is a Terminator in the full. So I, I, of the I don't word. think I, I don't think that's in the official Quiz Bowl lexicon. I think that is a Middlesex thing because I remember um, it was the parent of one of our kids years ago uh, who came up with that term, and it just it stuck because it was just mm. so appropriate. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so we'll we'll be talking about Terminators today. Um, and uh, speaking of which, there were some Terminators. On display this weekend uh, in the only quiz bowl in town, uh, wasn't really in town, it was uh, over the internet, um, there was a, a tournament held on Discord last weekend, the online middle school tournament read by or uh, hosted by Connor Thompson from Michigan State University. Um, so Mr. T, what do you say we take a look at the scoreboard and see what happened in that tournament? Sounds great. It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. Okay, so the uh, first and only and best uh, quiz bowl. And worst. And worst, unfortunately. No, it was great. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That is being held right now uh, was on Saturday, May 2nd, uh, and it was the online school quiz bowl tournament, online middle school quiz bowl tournament. Uh, It was hosted by Connor Thompson from MSU. And the packet set was the WAIT, the Wayzata Academic Invitational Tournament. It was held over Discord, which is an app that uh, I only know casually, Ken, from people, you know, talk while playing video games using Discord. But apparently uh, when middle schoolers were told this, they were like, yeah, we all have Discord. Discord's fine. Use Discord. Yeah, right. Uh, So they, they, you know, they uh, showed the the real tournament organizers what's up uh, because we had 32 full teams in the field from around the country uh Seoul foreign school also played too despite them having to stay up to the very uh wee hours of the morning to do so uh and barrington station was the team that eventually went 14 and 1 to win first place in this tournament they defeated Aaron parsa of challenger almadine in the 15th round 
to claim the championship. So congrats to Barrington Station. Um, Station was led by the eighth grader Charles Young, who averaged over 107 points per game. And Station's only loss was to Rohan Ganeshan and Quest Academy, who seemed to have had Station's number all year. Quest finished third, though. Uh, the defending champions Hunter A. Smith Middle School from Michigan and St. Mark's School of Texas B, led by Soham Sunktantar. Uh, yeah, they, they, they rounded out. They rounded out the uh, the, the championship group of mm-hmm. four, five, six. I know uh, Middlesex. Their A team came in seventh place, just missing the the upper bracket of the Super Playoffs. Um, it was a very uh, weird experience, uh, you know kind of watching my team play which is really just you know strings of text appearing on my mm-hmm. phone throughout mm-hmm. the course of the day and um but it was very very well run very well organized uh, i thought the the readers were great and um it seemed like a, a good time was had by all the questions were really tough um they were yeah, high school I, level I heard, I heard from the kids that uh, it was a very lit heavy packet and that yes, it was very no. uh high school heavy packet so hat tip to coach price of barrington station for i guess we can call this a national championship a second national championship um first since 2013 um but interesting to note uh andrew the the top three teams of this tournament were all dominated by terminators charles young had help and i think that's why barrington station ultimately won because he had the the best supported group but um aaron played by himself and um uh rohan had teammates but if you go ahead and look at the statistics they you know it was it was rohan rohan was head and shoulders the best player on that team and um that's that's what we call a terminator right right? yeah absolutely so if, Uh, if this is the the peak of competition for quiz bowl at least in middle school and the top teams are all Terminators. I think it's it's appropriate that we do an episode talking about how to beat them and how to compete against them and, and uh, uh, potentially even talk to one if we can capture one in the wild or find one in the wild that'll <laughs> give up their secrets. So that's, that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, so uh, we got an email from uh, one of our <clears throat> frequent listeners uh, um, asking like how do you develop and motivate 18 players to take risks when you have one extremely dominant player as we call them terminators obviously it's a gift to have one super talented generalist but it it makes the other players more likely to sit back and hesitate to buzz uh as they are confident super players you know may know it and and don't want to neg where they would answer correctly so is it better to move the other talented players to a B team to develop, especially when their expertise areas uh, have a lot of overlap with the super generalist. Um, it's a, a really good question. Um, and to, to be honest with you, like Middlesex hasn't had a lot of terminators in, in our past. We've had some really good players. Uh, you know, Michael Berecki, Michael Berecki certainly fits that category. Julia Tong, John Phipps, uh, fit that category, but we've never been in a position where we've had that one player who is just head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, I guess, you know, John Phipps probably comes the closest uh, to, to a Terminator in, in our history, but um, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, you're going to ask, how do you play against them? Andrew, I, I got to say the the three best teams in this tournament, the best teams in the country this year, we're all teams with terminators. 
And I don't, <laughs> it's, it's kind of tough to say as, you know, someone who's trying to speak from authority about how to coach. I, I don't know. I, I don't always know how to coach against them. What, what say you? I, the only advice that I ever give my students about terminators is, uh, I tell them, uh, this next team is going to be really good. Don't be surprised that there's only one, one student. Don't think that this is something that is potentially like a, Oh, this is an easy win. You know, he, he, his teammates forgot to show up today. They thought the tournament was tomorrow. No, this is a deliberate choice. Um, and the other thing that I tell them is that, uh, you know, if it's further along in the day, uh, I think that terminators do get a little bit more tired because they don't have people to confer with on bonuses. Uh, so there's a lot more mental energy. Uh, and I actually remember reading a study recently where uh, they looked at uh, uh, chess players who were playing in chess tournaments over the course of an entire day. And they found that even though they weren't doing any physical exercise, they were burning many, many thousands and thousands of calories, like an, an insane amount uh, because they were thinking so hard. And I think if you can uh, distribute that work of maybe six or 7,000 calories, way more than you would expect uh, over four people, instead of just one person, then potentially that's a, a way that later on in the, the later rounds, some Terminators will get a little bit winded, a little bit more tired. Uh, but we call them Terminators for a reason, Ken. They uh, they do not stop. Yeah, you know, I, I went back and I looked at some of the stats from this year to see how um, teams with an overly dominant player have done. Um, and, you know, NAQT allows you to kind of uh, search for results based on a packet. So when I looked at MS31, the top three individual scorers on this packet went undefeated at their respective tournaments. Uh, the fourth top scorer played at was, was John Augustine of uh, Notre Dame Catholic. And he played at a tournament with other tournament, uh, other terminators. Um, and he was a lone wolf and his only losses on the day were to Rohan Ganeshian of quest, who was number two on the list in Barrington station. Um, with, with their own Terminator, Charles Young, the guy that just won the, uh, the online quiz bowl tournament fifth on the list was Elias Na of Churchill, who was playing by himself as a lone wolf, but normally has a set of teammates around him. Sixth on that list was, um, was, uh, Arunag Sodi of Burley Manor and they went undefeated too, including they, they grailed Cooper D. Um, and seventh is Bryce Henderson of Gagey A of Kalamazoo, who also went undefeated. So, um, you know, in, in a very similar pattern existed for, um, for the other packets throughout the course of the year. So, so the point was, you know, here are these players and that are terminators and I'd love to be able to find like, well, the way to beat them is you have this, this well-organized team and, and balanced and, but it just it just wasn't working this year. Um, this year, certainly the the Terminators were are, are on the rise and um, did their damage this year. Yeah, the rise of the Terminators. Uh, so Terminator it, it, Two. <laughs> so uh, it inspired me to actually go back and look at the greatest performances by Terminators in the history of middle school quiz bowl. So uh, so Andrew and I have put together a top six of individual terminator performances uh, before we get to that top six i will i will say that you know while there's no doubt about it i am biased um no one from middlesex made the list uh, the closest performance we had was john phipps who I, I mentioned is the closest thing we've had to a terminator 
And this was John Phipps. This was his best individual performance. Um, this was the fall 2015 Middlesex Charter Oak, uh, December 5th, 2015. So this was the, the school year that we won nationals. Now, our A team had already dominated um, two other competitions, I think, at this point. And we had finished first and second in our A team and our B team had finished first and second at two other competitions. And I thought we would just do this again. So why don't we try to mix things up? Let's mix the teams up a little bit. And I separated John and Maya, Maya Nalloway, who was our, our, uh, one of our captains and the girl who buzzed in and said Charlemagne and won nationals, um, who could have been a terminator in her own right. In fact, if I remember correctly, her team won this tournament, if I remember correctly, but, um, anyway, so in uh, in one round, John played Western A and powered 10 questions and six answered six toss-ups for a total of 210 points. Now, Western A is no like pushover. They went to MSNCT this year. They finished fourth at that tournament. Um, they had a, a kid by the name of Brandon Yu who was uh, – you know, a terminator in his own right. Uh, but the final score of that match was 700 to 35. And, uh, so that was the best performance by a middle sex player of all time. And I'm telling you that does not crack the top six. Um, so Mr. T, why don't you, why don't you start? What was number six? Number six. We have, uh, Aaron Parsa. Uh, and so challenger Berryessa is a phenomenal program. They only finished four and four at MSNCT in 2019. But they took fourth in 2018 and 21st in 2017, 19th in 2015, and seventh in 2013. The other years, even though they didn't make the playoff, they have continued to finish four and four. And this is so. This is no ordinary cupcake team like Podunk D. This is a pretty strong measuring stick team. Uh, or for challenger Berryessa uh, to be defeated by Aaron Parsa's challenger Almadine, uh, where Aaron Parsa. Uh, in 2019, in October of 2019, uh, on that fateful day, in uh, on playing MS31, uh, he was able to score 215 points per game. So out of, uh, out, of the, team. out of the the 20 toss-ups, he powered 11 of the 20 questions, and then wow. got another five toss-ups on that so packet. Right, and that's against yeah, as you mentioned, Challenger Barriessa, one of the really really good teams uh in, in the country a, a measuring stick team as you mentioned all right number five <clears throat> number five is uh will golden william golden from the 2014 msnct so he played for um harmony excellence houston and um so his his performance at that 2014 msnct was incredible it's it's wasn't surprising to see him on the jeopardy team tournament as a seventh grader Perhaps it was surprising that he was only a, a semifinalist and not the champion, but um, you know it was a team tournament, and I think he was he might have just barely been thirteen <clears throat> in Atlanta in it in the twenty fourteen MSNCT. Will led his team to a perfect eight and zero Saturday, and they lost Sunday to perennial powerhouse Winburn from Kentucky, and that put them in the losers bracket. The twenty two seed going into Sunday was St. Mark's School of Texas, and no one saw the the run that they were going to go on but they beat really strong teams uh including 
North Gwinnett, Paidea, and Trickham, all from Georgia. They beat Copley Fairlawn. Um, they beat Winburn, too. And all of these wins were really close. They were by 80 or fewer points, but but St. Mark's just kept winning. And they guaranteed themselves a spot in the finals. And, uh, and so St. Mark's had a shot to eliminate Will Golden for good, but... Uh, William crushed him 555 to 215. And uh, his line in that match was five powers and three toss ups and no negs. Then William beats Trickham to force a rematch with St. Mark's in the finals. And this is the performance that made the list. Golden powered nine questions and answered three more with a neg for a total of 170 points. And um, Andrew, I know this is before you. Um, before this might have been. Be- yeah, this might have been before you were uh, allowed to drive a car. But. Hmm. <laughs> uh, they, there was a question about a, a 1960s sitcom that he one-lined. And mm. that's that was the moment where I'm like, okay, this kid is just – he's just playing a different game. He's, mm-hmm. Like everyone else is playing, uh, you know, connect four, and he's playing four-dimensional chess. Like he's just playing a different game. Um, the final score was 520 to 190, and it wasn't even that close. Number four. Number four is William Groger. Uh, who played for, uh, let's see, Copley Middle? Or let's see, no, he played for Miami Valley, and the tournament right. was at Copley Middle in 2017. Uh, he played against Copley Fairlawn A in on a certain fateful day uh, where he scored 215 points per game, getting 11 powers and five toss-ups in one packet. Uh, and this is the finals of the 2017 Copley Middle tournament, actually, and Copley Fairlawn up to that point was 9-0. and and they were averaging over 472 points per game. So this was a team, Ken, that they hadn't played a close game all day. Uh, they were feeling pretty good. They were playing, obviously, at their own tournament, right? Uh, and then, after not playing close game all day, they run into the force that is Will Groger. Uh, and Will Groger uh, also performed very well against St. Hilary A, when his line was 11 powers, 9 toss-ups, and 0 negs, where he answered all 20 toss-ups, uh, but in this case, because this was the finals of a certain very high level competition, uh, we're going to include this one on the list instead. All right. So that's it's, number uh, always, four. Yeah, always impressive when you uh, when you answer all of the questions in a match. <laughs> what do we call that, Ken? When when one well, that, player that's, answers- that, that's a grail, and I see a grail coming up on this list. I mean, right. if wait, I think if one player answers all twenty questions, that should be a holy grail. And then like, if like, you answer w- w- H- just one. If just one team answers all the questions, that's a grail. So gotcha. the pinnacle is holy grail, which is definitely what Will did. Number three. Number three. So number three went to uh, goes to Karsten Reinerson, um, who I, I mean, was definitely the the best player we've ever played against in our regional competition. Uh, Middlesex never had any answer for him at all. Uh, so this was at the 2018 Darien spring middle uh, that we hosted. Um, it was MS 24 greens farms played Middlesex D <clears throat> um, his line out of 20 toss ups powered 15 of them <laughs> he powered 15. And then he still answered three more toss ups on, on top of that. He was nice enough to neg one question so that he didn't shut us out. But <laughs> so he scored 250 points. Um, it was definitely the, one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. The D team from Middlesex that day consisted of some seventh graders who were about a year away from being able to compete on a, on a national level. And um, they were absolutely no match for Carson who just put on a clinic uh, 
for in that match, no doubt about it. Number two. Number two is uh, Robert Muniz. Uh, and in this case, he was playing for Midtown Classical A, and he was playing against Montfort A. And we actually uh, are going to have an interview with Robert Muniz kind of a little later in the episode, right? That's that's correct. This is the very, very episode uh, where this is the, the very, we're going to talk to Robert about this exact game a little bit later. Uh, but basically, he played against Montfort A, uh, and he grailed Montfort A by himself. So he answered Oof. 17 powers and three toss-ups. Uh, he also set a record for most powers by an MS player, middle school player, uh, which is, in fact, the record for any NEQT player at any level at any tournament. Wow. Uh, and it was the most points in a game, 285. Uh, the final score of the match was Midtown Classical, 835, Montford A, 0. Wow. Uh, so you may not have heard of Montford Middle School, but they were not just a pushover group of elementary schoolers or some kids brand new to Quiz Bowl. Montford had qualified for MSNCT three times in the past in 2011, 2015, and 2016. And this tournament was the fourth iteration of the Fairview Invitational. Montford had actually won the first one back in 2015, averaging over 420 points per game in the process. So certainly teams ebb and flow get better or weaker in certain years. Programs have down years. But at this point, Montford A is a pretty established program. So after this performance by Robert Muniz, that not only set records that will probably not be broken, uh, I think it's safe to say that this performance effect effectively terminated the Montford program. I'm not sure how they might be competing since October 14th, 2017, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Montford has no other entries for results on the NAQT website. So Muniz's... 17 power grail definitely terminated the Monford program. They're done. It's, it's hard to believe, but there is a performance that tops that number one, number one uh, in my mind and, and in, in Andrew's mind has to go to Shiva's wall of the 2018 MSNCT where his line nine powers, five toss ups, three negs um, was like statistically 170 points that doesn't match up with Muniz's performance against Monford or Karsten's uh, against Middlesex or Will Groger's. Um, but the stage and the opponent have to be taken into account. So this was the finals of the 2018 MSNCT and Shiva had one loss that whole weekend. The last preliminary round to our guest later on, Robert Muniz. Um, in the playoffs that Sunday, Shiva met Muniz and his team again and beat them 345 to 285. Shiva then played Karsten and Green's Farms and won 365 to 350. Mm. On his way to the finals, Shiva had to defeat Challenger Berryessa twice. The second time was by a mere five points. Um, and so, Andrew, tell us a little bit about that second match uh, before we get so, into the finals here. Tell us about that. So I remember, uh, I remember very vividly uh, coming into the auditorium, we we walked in somewhere in the 15th or 16th toss-up, uh, and it, it actually looked extremely close, and it looked like uh, things weren't actually going so well for Shiva. It looked like uh, the team that he was playing were really putting up a strong fight. Uh, we watched as the last couple of questions finished, and it it, uh, it ended with uh, 435 Veryessa A to 355 the Pioneers, Shiva's team. And with the usual math, this game is way over. But what was so incredible about this is that actually there were three protests. There were three uh, different questions that had been protested. 
And only one of them was Shiva. The other two were the other team protesting uh, questions that they uh, had not answered correctly. So the judges went to deliberate and the whole uh, room was really abuzz as, you know, uh, people started to think about what might happen here. Uh, could Shiva really snatch this victory from the jaws of defeat? Uh, and they came back uh, and Challenger had had said uh, apostrophe when really what they were looking for was quotation mark. And they searched the, the textbooks and they found that apostrophe would not be acceptable because it's only one little dash instead of two. Yep. Uh, they also had uh, said something about Lord Mountainbatten when they really meant to say Prince Philip and they said that it's not acceptable. Uh, and then, so with a quick thing, uh, Bergesa A, their two challenges were both out of the door. Uh, and then they got to uh, Shiva's challenge where he had said, he had buzzed in and said the gold rush of 1849. And they said, no. And I remember I vividly went back to uh, not only my own memory, but I, I rewatched the video of this happening. And he kind of was stunned at their answer being the gold rush of 1850. And he kind of shook his head and he was like, I'm going to challenge that. And they were like, noted. Uh, and they said, well, we've checked the textbooks. And uh, a lot of them do refer to it as the gold rush of 1849. So we're going to give you that one. You might say, well, it doesn't honestly matter because it's 435 to 355. But I want to break down the math that happens here. With one win of one challenge, he went from 355 to 370 points. He got the 10 points from the toss-up that is correct, and he lost the neg five for buzzing incorrectly. So right. he's now at 370 points. Because Challenger Bergesa did not get this toss-up correct, they went down 40 full points to 395. That is now a 25-point gap, meaning that Shiva has to get all three parts of the bonus correct to win. Uh, the audience actually gasped and cheered as it was revealed the bonus would be about Alexander Hamilton. Oh man! And do, Shiva, do you remember? I do. <laughs> do you remember how he reacted? Remember that. Yeah. Oh my god! And uh, he, he knew it. He, he knew naturally, he very easily, thirty to, to go on. He to knew the it. Final. He pumped his fist. Like answer these questions about Alexander Hamilton. He pumped his fist, and yeah, yeah, I remember that very, very vividly. So, so then he thirties the bonus, wins the match, and the finals pitted Shiva against Base of Silicon Valley. Now, uh, when we go to nationals for the past couple of years, I started. Um, doing like a little scouting report. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I give these to each of the coaches for each of the teams, just so when we walk into a room and we play a team that we've never heard of before, they can refer to the book and say, okay, this is who they are. This is who they play. This is um, this, these were their stats. And um, I also go through and I rank the teams um, based on, based on statistics and stuff like that. And going to the tournament base of Silicon Valley was my pre-nationals number one ranked team. Um, and bases had, uh, Aditya, uh, India who, who averaged 80 points per game in that tournament. And, uh, and he was complimented by three teammates who added another 80 points per game. So they were as much a complete team as any that year. And going into that match, they averaged over 485 points per 20 toss-ups heard to Shiva's 385. So a full hundred points better than Shiva for 20 toss-ups. Um, basis also averaged four more points per bonus than Shiva too, but Shiva saved his best performance for last this game. Andrew, if you remember, it was not even close after eight toss-ups, Shiva was up 270 to 45 
And at the half, which was 13 toss-ups, 355 to 120. By toss-up 19, it was mathematically over. He was up 495 to 190. The rest of the match, basis outscored him uh, 145 to neg five. But like you talked about how singleton players, Mm -hmm. they get exhausted. I'm sure once Shiva knew that he was up by more points than basis could score, he just, he mentally relaxed and uh, he was able to pull off, in my mind, the greatest single accomplishment in the history of middle school quiz bowl. So his final line, nine powers, five toss-ups and three negs against one of the strongest teams ever to compete on that stage is why this is the greatest performance by a Terminator of all time. It's incredible. Honestly, watching him win made me question what was possible in quiz bowl. And I know that for all the people that were watching, they, they felt like they were witnessing something that might never happen again. So while it was certainly fun to, to go back and look at these performances, uh, we, we certainly haven't addressed the question that was asked to us in the email. And, uh, and honestly, uh, honestly, Andrew, you know, as I said, there's not, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss when it's, you know, what do you do when you're playing against a Shiva or you're playing against, mm-hmm. you know, they're, I think, they're talking. I think the, the best thing that you can do is talk to a Terminator yourself and yeah, potentially be- uh, pick their brain. So why don't we uh, jump to our interview and uh, see what he has to say about that. So uh, Andrew and I are very pleased right now to be joined uh, all the way from Tallahassee, Florida, uh, by one of the all-time greats of middle school quiz bowl from Midtown Classical, Robert Muniz. Robert, it's uh, Andrew and Ken in um, in Connecticut. How are you doing today? Great. How about you guys? Very good. How's the, how's the weather in Florida? Pretty nice. Pretty nice. You know, getting warm, getting closer to summer, you know, so yeah. And, and, nice. and you guys are actually allowed outside, right? Yes, we are, oh, which, is, which is good. That must be nice. <laughs> Very that's good. So, uh, so Robert, you're in your second year of, uh, of high school. Um, Robert was, uh, played for Midtown plays for Midtown classical. Um, were you on your way to HSNCT this year? So actually I had not been doing much quiz bowl this past year, so I was not going to be going to HSNCT, but okay. next year, definitely that's in, that's in the plans. Gotcha. Um, you know, this year <clears throat> would have been the last year for our championship winning team from middle school, from Middlesex to try to do anything at, at HSNCT. And unfortunately, that was uh, not going to happen for them. But um, anyway, so, so uh, you know, as we've been talking about, we've been talking about Terminators. Um, Robert Muniz is one of the all time great Terminators. Uh, and so when we're talking about how to coach them, how to play against them how to uh, get better uh if you are one of these terminators we thought the best way to do that is by finding one and asking one and so robert we're very pleased to have you here um so i guess the the first question that i want to ask you is like as someone who is a strong generalist as this terminator what do you do to actually continue to get better in everything across the board so I'd say start starting out middle school quiz bowl, I was primarily a history specialist. You know, that's all I would buzz on, would never buzz on another toss up for fear of negging. Um, but 
as I was listening to all these other categories, you know, early on fifth, sixth grade, I was like, these are really cool topics, really, really interesting stuff here. So my coach, Kevin Cox, incredible coach, incredible person as well, compiled this uh, PDF of probably about 2,500 pages long. It contained every middle school question basically known to mankind. And from about sixth grade to seventh grade, I would read this for like two to three hours a day, just writing down clues that I thought were interesting, um, just question answer lines I didn't know. And so I did this for about a year and a half. And by seventh grade, Miss NCT, you know, I had a pretty good grasp of the middle school canon. You know, I could get most toss ups by like at least third or third or fourth clue lot lot on the first two. Um, and so it was about this point that my coach started taking my, my team and me to a bunch of um, high school tournaments. And this is where I realized, okay, this is where this is where they get the lead ins from, you know, to where you can really buzz in early and get that competitive advantage over everyone else. So I so we made another PDF basically of almost every high school question in an AQT that had ever been asked. Coupled with resources like Quinterest, QuizDB, and just going going through stuff like that, flashcarding more, writing down new answer lines, browsing Wikipedia for those high school level clues. And after about a year of doing that in eighth grade, I was fairly confident I could know most toss-ups in my main categories, literature and history, fine arts, by about the first or second clue, you know, just by knowing those high school clues. And that's really how I improved, studying high school questions. Which um, topic outside of history did you find was the easiest to to um, excel in and which was the most difficult? Okay, so for uh, for middle school, at least, I'd say the easiest to get really good at would be the fine arts category, since there's not much they can ask in the middle school canon, you know? So once you've memorized all the middle school toss-ups plus some high school content, you're pretty much set. Hardest um, for me personally would be science. Uh, first, because I have zip, zero natural affinity for science. Uh, and second of all, just the clues are, as a whole, I'd say more difficult than the others. You know, it's harder. There's a lot more stuff they can ask. Um, so that's that's basically, yeah, science definitely be the hardest. It's, I think it's fascinating that you've kind of stumbled onto a very similar practice regime to the one that we've talked about as being ideal to uh, studying more difficult material and especially high school questions. Absolutely, Ken and I have noticed that there uh, there's a, a trend towards plagiarism, or if you don't want to use that <laughs> yeah. that word, you could say uh, uh, there's a, a certain familiarity between high school packets and middle school packets. That uh, if you study high school packets, sometimes if you even study stuff like a HSNCT, uh, and then you look at the next year at the middle school packets, you see some interesting similarities there, uh, where there's kind of a trickle down effect. Uh, like a trickle down economics, but in this case, trickle down quizable questions. Absolutely. Um, so, what was your motivation to improve? So, I'd say two things really. First, I and I'm sure a lot of other people find this as well. Finding new clues, new really interesting clues that then will come up in a tournament. It's pretty addictive. So, as I'd be studying, you know, I'd always be looking for that next interesting clue that hadn't come up before. You know, that I was like, oh, you know, they could ask this in MSNCT this spring. So that's definitely one thing while I was studying. Another thing would be I always wanted Midtown Classical to be the best team in the country by the time I graduated. Unfortunately, that never happened. Uh, finished fifth at the last MSNCT. But um, uh, the- just for, for the record, Middlesex also finished fifth at that same tournament. Just <laughs> no, you guys were a great team record. that year. But no, I mean, I you know you you look around at this. I was a 
I was always into stats, you know, and you look around and you'd see, oh, last week Middlesex dropped 26 points for bonus and 90 powers on the set, or Karsten scored 13 powers in this game. And you're like, oh, I want to do that too, you know? So that always motivates you to study more and just try to get better. So, you, you know, you mentioned your team, um, you know, being such a strong generalist and, and you don't have a lot of weaknesses, what did you do to, or how would you try to motivate your teammates to improve around you? So I would say a lot of times when you look at teams that have one really strong generalist, you can tell that the other teammates like either just really don't know that much at all, sort of along for the ride. But uh, I'd say I was in a different position that my teammates, if you took them off of my team, they would be the first or second scorers on a lot of teams across the country. So it was not so much a question of motivating them as keeping them connected with the game and feeling, you know, involved in a match. Just because it can, like, if I were in their shoes, it would be kind of, it'd be kind of disheartening, you know, going from playing on the B team and like scoring 120 points per game, whatever, to then going to the A team and buzzing maybe five times in a tournament. So really, it was just making sure they knew they were involved in each and every win that they had their key categories that I really needed them to be there for. Hmm. So that was that was the big thing. And, and what were those categories? So Ethan Lehman was, I'd say, for the past, for his last two years in middle school, the best geography player in the country. Um, the two Duggar twins, uh, great pop culture, which I know I knew nothing about at the time, uh, pop culture, kid lit, stuff like that. So, and those, you know, they could decide a game. So that's three or four questions a match. So it's very important. Yes. Sorry, I, I sent a text a text to Andrew like, "Hey, why don't you take the next couple of questions?" Oh, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm being very it. polite, and I'm not That's looking okay. at my phone during an interview. Uh, no, let's, uh, let's okay. We, let's we can edit this the, out. It's okay. We're edit out. No, no, don't edit it out. I want them to see that uh, Ken was the one violating the etiquette rules, and I, you know, I was giving Robert our full attention. And yeah, you know. I'm violating the etiquette rules by saying, "Hey, I'm I'm dominating this conversation." Okay. I want so, so Robert, you mentioned you mentioned uh, players like Carson earlier. What was it like playing against uh, Carson and Shiva in the 2018 MSNCT? So the 2018 MSNCT was you know a great tournament for many reasons, but. Um, I'd, I'd definitely that was that was my favorite part of it. You know, I had been playing against Shiva since um basically sixth grade. Um, I would always beat him in the history V, but it would always be in revenge for him destroying my middle school quiz bowl team a month before at MSNCT. So we always had that a nice friendly rivalry going on. Um, so it was really nice just to be able to play him one last time, especially the level of generals that he was, that what he knew across just such. Like the immense depth of knowledge he had in so many categories was crazy to see, and it was always fun to play against him like that. So, and then Karsten obviously was sort of a newcomer, you know, that last year he hadn't really played before, and just shows up and is scoring 160 points per game at like every tournament he goes to. So that we became friends over the course of the year, you know. So it's always fun to play to play your friends in these tournaments, but also you know have that competitive rivalry. So that, I'd say that's what made it so great. Uh, I know that for for us, every time we go to MSNCT, it's like uh, all of our kids are, are especially because you know Google Hangouts and Google Meet, and you know now Zoom and and um, uh, all these digital options have have become so popular. Our kids see students from across the United States, and they're like, "Oh, hey, I've only seen you through a computer, but now you're like <laughs> we're both here." Um, so I'm looking forward to to that again once MSNCT resumes. Uh, but you mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, science maybe was the category that uh, 
uh, was toughest to pick up on. But what would you say throws you off your game most? Can you maybe recall uh, a game or a tournament where you were really thrown off? So Midtown Classical, I think, was known for, uh, while I was there, was known for buzzing pretty early, pretty quickly on questions. We'd get a bunch of powers, but we'd also neg a lot. And so we'd have these stretches where it'd be two, three, four negs in a row sometimes. And I remember at the beginning of one MSNCT round, first of all, I never, I never liked going into a later MSNCT round being heavily favored over someone. You know, it always seemed like kind of a jinx. So the, one of the things that throws me off the most is negging in the first five questions. It sort of sets a tone for the game, you know. So we were in, I think, third round of playoffs at the 2017 MSNCT. I think I negged three of the first five toss-ups, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're playing a team that's, like, ranked 40th in the playoffs. We were third or whatever. And, you know, it's just kind of – it throws you off for the rest of the game. And the game ended up being way closer than it should have been. Interesting. I'm trying to think of some way that teams out there can take advantage of this, but honestly, <laughs> there isn't. It's just, it's it's like an own error. It's like a user error. It's like, yeah, the, the thing that, that throws me off when I'm, uh, you know, race car driving is sometimes I'm too fast. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's not something the other competitors can use, but uh, it's interesting, interesting to know. All right. So, so here's the thing. So I, I actually just, I, I looked up um, the 2017 MSNCT. And in the third round of the of the play, your third match in the playoffs, you actually played Chiva in the Pioneers. I don't know if it was that match or not, but um, in the first round, you played a team called Lively A. And um, I don't know if that's the match you, you were I think that's to. what I was referring to. So we were heavily <laughs> favored, and that ended up not being that much. The, the I, I mean, so, so the final score was 405 to 225. You guys won, but... Um, you know, and that sounds like, well, it's 180 points, but sometimes with, when you're at like toss up number 20 and it's only a 10 point game, like, you know, you go on a run at the end. I, I completely understand what, what you mean, uh, when, yeah. when you say that. And so your two losses in the playoffs were to Shiva and, uh, Isaac day, one of the other all time greats of middle school quiz bowl. So yeah, that was, uh, that was another great, great year. That's the year after Kissick kind of came out of nowhere and. And uh, and won. Yeah, it was a so, crazy tournament. Can I ask? Do you remember your game against Montford A? Um, oh, this. Oh, so was this? This was in one of the I think the very first tournaments I played. I think this is um, uh, this is this is, is MS twenty three in twenty seventeen. It was October twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen wow. Fairview Middle uh, versus Midtown Classical A Montford A. Something about you know two hundred eighty-five points per game. Something oh, like that, that game. Okay, okay. I thought oh, that game. <laughs> okay, so oh yeah, since there was also a game my my like second all-time my second game uh, that I ever played where I played Monford. I negged one toss-up. That was the only time I buzzed. It was shameful, but um. <laughs> so I the uh, the game against Monford in 2000, 2017, That was that was crazy. That was definitely one of the more fun experiences I had during my time as a player. You know, it was one of those matches where ev- everything clicked, you know, it was like all the studying, all the flashcarding. And it's like, oh, wow, it, it's all come up in this one round. Uh, so that was really exciting. You understand that Monford didn't, hasn't had another NAQT match since then? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I haven't seen that. So as, as far as being a Terminator goes, like, yeah. that's like I hope that's, that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. have terminated them like they are done. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
if you were told you were going to lose, like, let's say I could tell you in advance, hey, this is Robert from the future. Uh, you're about to play a match. You're going to lose this match. Uh, I can't tell you why. You it, Then you're like, wait, why do I lose this match? Like, what do you think is your number one reason for losing? What what thing or individual thing tends to lead to your losses, if you feel like there is one thing? So I would say if it was a guaranteed loss, I'd say we were playing a team that buzzed pretty quickly, powered a lot. Sometimes uh, I I would say one week, a, a big weakness I had as a player in middle school is I get psyched out if you start buzzing really fast, really quickly, fast-paced game, you know, and we get behind. I'd say we, and that's what happened in the in our last game, 2018 MSNCT, you know, we played Berryessa, a really quick team, we lost. But um, I'd say uh, it'd be a combination of me negging plus the other team buzzing fast and my mental attitude towards the game getting messed up. Did you ever play against um, Justin Young and, and Longfellow, um, A? Ah, so I think we were one game against uh, away from playing that team at the 2016 MSNC TV. Okay, because because I remember the first time we played them in 2016, we played them at a uh, at a tournament in Maryland, and uh, I I think the same thing. We were totally thrown off. I mean, I'm 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 just a coach. I'm, I'm sitting there with with Mrs. Ivy, my assistant, and he powers the first question in the first line, and that I completely understand what you're talking about because that absolutely threw us off um and uh we we didn't know what hit us <laughs> we that that whole drive back i think you can listen to the first episode of our podcast we said that whole ride back barbara and i were just every 30 minutes well we just have to go back to the drawing board uh, <laughs> we have to we i don't know what we're gonna do we have to go back to the drawing board so that makes perfect sense and i'll i'll also say are, are there other academic competitions that you recommend that people check out um, obviously, other than the normal NAQT stuff, uh, National History Bee, great, uh, great, great event. Uh, U.S. Academic Bee and Bowl, specifically targeted for middle school. Again, great event. Um, I think I think your Middlesex team, did you, did you guys win that in 2016? Yeah. So you guys fact, doubled it, up. It, it came down to the final question against Longfellow again. Uh, <laughs> this time, <clears throat> this time uh, um, Longfellow wasn't going to let us take it. They, I think it was Will who buzzed in. Uh, with with an incorrect answer, they were asking for uh, a Greek playwright, and he said Aeschylus, but it was um, Sophocles. But uh, but they were they weren't going to let classic it. Classic mistake. Well, you know they were they were aggressive, and they they said yeah. we weren't going to let you know Maya ring in and beat us again. So if we're going to go down, we're going to go down ourselves. And uh, but yeah, so yep, we almost lost to a Terminator in the first round. <laughs> one one uh, one kid from. Uh, Illinois, Sophie Netzel, uh, by herself, almost beat, took us to overtime, but almost beat that team. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But Robert, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, and, uh, and thanks again for a couple minutes. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. So I think that was a fantastic interview. I hope that you took away from that, at least that, uh, if you're out there and you're someone who's studying and trying to get better then the, the ceiling is very high. You can, as one player, uh, even if you don't necessarily have teammates or a program that's particularly motivated, you can reach the heights that any of these individual players have reached uh, and be really incredible and something that other teams are, are, are and should be afraid of. You know, it, it seems like um, the, the only way you're going to beat players like that 
um, is with a group of players that combined are, are stronger and, uh, you know, you need the players to put in the work. So, um, I, I you know, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm at a loss as to how to beat some of these players. If, if you don't have people who are motivated to, to yeah. do so. And if um, you don't have, uh, enough buzz phrases in your pocket. Hmm. So maybe we need another one. Yeah. Let's go to it. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2009 Fall Novice Tournament. Question goes, These people were Christianized by St. Olaf, and their presence in England began with the attack on Lindisfarne Abbey. They established a settlement at Lons Aw Meadows, which may have been part of Vinland. Famous members of this people include Leif Erikson and Eric the Red. The question goes on to mention the phrases Scandinavian warriors and horned helmets. Of course, we're looking for the Vikings. Leif Erikson and Eric the Red are dead giveaways to many players. Lons Aw Meadows in Newfoundland was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1978 as archaeological evidence discovered in 1960 suggests that the Vikings reached North America centuries before Christopher Columbus. But let's go back to the beginning of the question. A few things on St. Olaf. St. Olaf, or Olaf II of Norway, was a king of Norway from 1015 to 1028. There are conflicting reports about how the Christianization of Scandinavia occurred and who should get how much credit. But Olaf was Christian, and he did try to set up Christian infrastructure within his realm. He was canonized soon after he died and became the patron saint of Norway and the Faroe Islands. But the buzz phrase I want to center on is Lindisfarne. During the Dark Ages, it was not uncommon for monasteries to house gold, relics, and other valuables. They also weren't very heavily defended, which made them perfect targets for raids. The 793 Viking raid on the monastery in Lindisfarne wasn't the first Viking incursion into England. In 1789, the ships of Northmen landed on the coast of Wessex. They were going to be escorted to the king by his reeve, which is a local magistrate, but the Vikings killed him instead. It was written that the year 793 began with bad omens. There were whirlwinds, lightning storms, and dragons in the sky. No murder hornets, though. Perhaps these were all signs pointing to June 8th, when Vikings raided the island monastery at Lindisfarne and the church of St. Cuthbert. News of the raid reached Alcuin of York, a scholar who served in the court of Charlemagne. Horrified by indignation shown by the raiders, he wrote to Higbalt, the bishop of Lindisfarne, The church of St. Cuthbert is splattered with the blood of the priests of God, stripped of all its furnishings, exposed to the plundering of pagans. Alquin actually went so far as to suggest that the raid was the fault or was the result of God's wrath for Higbald's sins. He wrote, Is this the outcome of the sins of those who live there? It was not what happened by chance, but the sign of some great guilt which is basically 8th century's version of, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So here's what I'm saying. When you hear a question mentioned Lindisfarne, go berserk, buzz in, and say Vikings. 
I don't, I don't know if you can hear that, Ken, but uh, that's my Norse code. Oh, good gravy. Did you like that one? Uh, no. Uh, I, <laughs> no, no, not, a, not, a, not the least. There's a, there's a disturbance in the Norse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everyone. Dude, uh, go outside and get some fresh air, man. <laughs> this has been 410 Points. The best podcast on the web for everything quiz bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you get better. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Turiago, signing off for Ken Romeo. Stay safe, everybody.